Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Miami Sports Podcast post-Dolphins scrimmage edition, Hurricanes camp is in session edition, which means we'll be talking a lot of Marlins baseball. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. That was good. Uh, I Will, didn't see that one coming. Uh, Will Manso is on an Alaskan cruise this week, so it'll be Dookie Lang and myself, Clay Ferrero, taking you through to the Dolphins preseason opener against Tampa Bay, and, and I want to start off with a great story. This was, I think this summed up the Dolphins scrimmage, and, and there's a... There's an old saying, uh, through the through the mouth of babes. Yes. Or the old show, kids say the darndest things. But I think this is the best way to let you know just how bad this Dolphins scrimmage was. And, uh, and Dookie Lang will share that with you in just a second. But before we get to that, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. And I promise you, Dookie Lang, there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke, Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. You know, it's rare that I not only get to tell one of my stories on the podcast, but you teased it. That's well, that's amazing. And not only that, but that it's welcomed. Usually it Yeah, derails. no, 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 absolutely. In this case, I think it sets up the entire podcast. So let me just set the scene. Uh, for those of you that didn't go out to the scrimmage on Saturday, and, and frankly, uh, there weren't a whole lot of people out there. No. Uh, but this was the Dolphins scrimmage. It was open to the public. You had free parking. It was actually a great job. I thought the Dolphins did a great job of setting this up so that fans could come out and see the team. So you ended up taking your five-year-old daughter, Sloan, out to to the scrimmage. So uh, take me through what happened when you were there and, more importantly, on the car ride home. So as you know, Clay, you have young children. You're always trying to come up with stuff to do with them, activities, stuff. So I knew this week that Will was in Alaska and I'd be co-hosting Sports Sunday with you. So I figured, okay, let me get a let me go get a look at the Dolphins. So I tell my daughter, all right, Saturday morning, let's let's go out to watch football. And she falls on the floor and screams, no. Okay. Then she says, I want Pokemon. So I start putting it together. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll get you some Pokemon if you come with me to the Dolphins game. She agrees. We've negotiated our terms. On the ride over, we're listening to some music, and Michael Jackson comes on. And I make the mistake of saying, she asked me, who's this? I said, this is Michael Jackson. He's a great singer, but he's dead. Probably should have left out that last word. So anyway, we go to the scrimmage. Free parking. Took me a minute to find my spot. Got to see the team. All the guys came out. They had a lot of music and the cheerleaders about, it was supposed to start at 11. From like 11 to 11.30, they have music. They have the cheerleaders. Uh, The food's open. They're handing out, it was very nice. They handed out uh, rosters for everybody so you could follow along who's on the field. It was a nice setup. It really really is a great uh, setup. No, it was was a great setup. I was, listen, I'm always looking for stuff to do with the kids. I thought it was a fun activity. I was looking forward to seeing Ryan Tannehill. I wanted to see Gasicki. I I just wanted to see the guys and and get a little bit of feel for what the team's going to look like. That was my objective. So we watched, and, um, you know, obviously I'm I'm trying to teach my daughter a little bit about (laughs) football. And uh, what I really taught her a lot was penalty. And, And I'm not even kidding. I was explaining to her what the flag was. And how the players get in trouble and she's, you know, and how there are too many players currently and how ultimately one or some of these guys are going to get fired. 
And she didn't understand that concept. I was explaining that 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 they can only keep fifty three, and they have about seventy or ninety or whatever they have. Now, did you get into coaches or just players? I know. I said, I, well, that's what I told her. I said, so when they have these, when you see the flag, somebody's in trouble. She said, are they going to get fired now? I said, no. What they do is the coaches like to go home and they like to watch it again and again and again, and then they yell at the players and then they fire them. So she so she kept asking me, are they going to get fired? And I kept thinking, yeah, you know, someone's getting fired if they keep playing like this. So that the lion's share of the conversation was about flags and getting fired. Because in case you haven't read the write-ups of the scrimmage, it was penalty after penalty after penalty after really penalty. Was. And look, we're joking about this. This is the type of garbage that derailed the season last year. This is These are the type of problems that this team has had over and over and over again. And Adam Gase has done just about everything he can think of to try to fix this. He's got the guys running wind sprints now. Well, uh, that that Okay, that's something I didn't expect and I had not seen. So it's the end of practice, and I, 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 my whole goal is to keep her there as long as I can. And so at this point, it's hot. We're in a shaded area, so we're pouring water over each other's head, which is fine. There's no one around us. It's an activity. And the, the team portion of the drills kind of ends. Whatever, whatever the team portion was, there was a clock. It hit zero. Whole team goes to the sideline. They huddle up. I'm like, okay, so this is where I told some my daughter, I'm like, this is where the coach is going to yell at them for all of their mistakes. So there's a big huddle and there's a lot of yelling going on. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know if there was going to be more because I'd only seen Tannehill for a few plays. So I'm like, oh, I, I think Tannehill's going to come back and play a little bit more. And all of a sudden, whole team lines up on the far sideline and they're running. And I'm like, he's running them. Adam Gase is running these guys. He should. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I salute him. That's the right call. I'm like, man, you don't see that very often. Right. Like in an NFL scrimmage in front of your fans before, and again, nice events, all the players lined up and they were signing autographs and taking pictures. My daughter wanted no part of that. I offered her. She's like, what's an autograph? I'm like, they write their name. She's like, that. Why? Yeah. yeah why yeah. Why would they write their name? So she, she didn't care. But. They were running. They were running sprints. So, so this is the setup. So, right? okay. So, I mean, that, so that's, that's and by that's, the way, that was that was funny. That was a good, I think, summation of what actually happened. Yes. But, but for what the long-lasting ramifications <laughs> to a five-year-old child of this scrimmage were, take it away on the drive home. All right. So we get to the car and uh, we're, we're driving home, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that wasn't the cleanest football I've ever seen, but you know, it's almost two in the afternoon, and we filled the day, and yay, you know, and uh, my daughter then asks me from the Michael Jackson thing that I pointed out she said uh what exactly does dead mean and I I gave her an answer and 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 she said do you know anyone who's dead what happens to you when you're dead are you and mommy gonna die these are the sorts of questions that my daughter was asking me after the dolphin scrimmage and part of me was like god what am I supposed to say to a five-year-old child and the other thought was she's a really good football analyst (laughs) Because this is, I mean, yeah. But she was basically yeah, summing up I, the I, I, too, I, too, was in a bit of an existential <laughs> crisis. I mean, they couldn't get a freaking snap off. All right. And so, and, and so I think her big takeaways were going to be she learned about dead, and she wants to know when people are going to be fired. And do coaches get – does everybody get fired or only the players lose their jobs? And when does it happen, and when do they get in trouble for all their mistakes? So, Which – I, I I was ready to have her call into like 790 or 560 or like she sounded like Sloan on a mobile. I, I was so <laughs> proud of her analysis of that. Uh. So this was when we were talking about this and immediately the light bulb went off in my head. All right, here's a lighthearted way to approach what really was not a pretty day. And uh, I, I think 
for all that we talk about with this Dolphins team and, and what's going to make the difference and, and, and why is this team going to be better than last year and, and Ryan Tannehill is the key to this year's season, which I think are all good things to talk about. First and 15 can change your entire season if it happens too many times. And we saw it last year. And and I, I think ultimately the Dolphins can fix just about everything about this team but if they can't find a way to quit doing this type of self-inflicted stuff over and over and over again, it's not going to matter what they fix elsewhere. And and we can get into the things that I, I think you and I each have questions about with this team. My question to you right now is, why can't this team seem to get this thing figured out? And I'm not over if, – if this were a team that had not struggled with this in the past and this was just a one-scrimmage sort of thing – then it's not a big deal. I'm not going to overreact to something that happens in one scrimmage, something that happens after a, what a week and a half of camp, whatever it may be. The problem right now is this is a continuation of an issue that derailed this team in many ways last year. Why can't they get this figured out? Bad coaching. Bad, bad coaching. I mean, Dave Hyde um, wrote a great column of the Sun Sentinel, and he, he told a story about Don Shula. And Don Shula was arguing with a ref in a preseason game. This is Dave Hyde telling the story in his column. And Shula was yelling at the ref about a five-yard penalty. And the ref's like, Don, it's five yards. And Shula said, five yards is my life. And that is a mentality. That comes from the coach. And when you see a team get a lot of penalties, what do you say? You say the team's undisciplined. And sure, you know, I, I listened to Ryan Tannehill talk after the scrimmage. He talked about individual responsibility. And he talked about how guys have a lot of things going on in their heads. And by the time you get to a snap count, this is football. This is your job. This is the NFL level. You can't jump off sides. I mean, the thing about this Dolphins team in looking at them at the scrimmage and you've been out to camp, they're not going to out-talent a lot of teams in the NFL. They're just not. I was looking around the field and I was trying to sort of, in my head, evaluate Ryan Tannehill and evaluate his weapons. I'm like, what makes this team scary? What makes this team dynamic? I really hope Mike Kosicki is good if the Dolphins are going to be scary and dynamic. Maybe, maybe Albert Wilson's going to be like, you know, maybe, maybe. I don't I, know. I think the, the get off the bus guys, that's the old saying. Yeah. Football, the guys that are, I mean, I, I think it's it's Cam Wake. I think it's Kosicki and and Xavier uh, I, I, Howard. I think I think Rashad, 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 Rashad Jones is the best player on the team. But I think that 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 goes back to your point. I mean, last year, Indomitian Sue was yep. one of those guys. I mean, uh, Jarvis Landry with his attitude. I mean, there, there were, those were the type of things that could intimidate another team. So to your point, if, if you're not going to have the the physical edge, which it's very clear this Dolphins team right. is not going to, you're not going to uh, – Devontae Parker is another one who, yep. who I think has a physical advantage. But you had that last year. If you're not going to have the physical edge against every team you play against or most of the teams you play, you must have everything else figured out down to the T. And this team ain't close. And it wasn't close last year. And they thought they had it all figured out. And I, I, I was listening to the to the same uh, post-scrimmage interviews that you did. And, and Jawan James said something. He said, well, to be honest, we've changed around a lot of things. We've been running the same thing for the last two years. We've implemented a lot of new things. Okay. Yeah. I mean, doesn't every team do that? And why? And and, and again, if if you hadn't had these issues as a team before, I would not be overreacting to this. Why is it still happening? Clay, let me put it to you this way, okay? We've done Sports Sunday. How many years have you been at Local 10? Uh, Going on five. Okay, going on five wonderful years here at Local 10. 
we always have a game plan. I come up with a rundown. Everybody has their input. We come up with a plan together. If all of a sudden I radically were to change that plan, I tried some crazy different rundown, would you be responsible for turning your mic on before you went on television? Exactly. I mean, come on. I mean, that this this is basic, basic stuff. They couldn't execute a play. They couldn't execute a series. It was every group. It was just it was just sloppy penalties. They looked disorganized. I, you know, you mentioned the star power. I kind of want to go off on a little bit of a different tangent here. Well, let me uh, well, let's go, ahead, do go that. ahead. Let's do that in go a ahead. second because the TV analogy you brought up, I think, is a really good one. And, and we like to kind of take people kind of behind the curtain here. And, and we just got done doing our, our newscast here. And uh, Nicole Perez, one of our anchors, turned to me during the, the tease. And she said, hey, uh, uh, you need to fix your microphone. The, the, the cord is hanging down. I said, oh, thank you very much. And she's like, oh, I just, um, uh, you know, uh, my husband notices those things when, when he sees it on TV. I said, no. I said, look, we can put hours, hours of work into putting together a half-hour show. Yep. If at the very top of the show, my mic cord is hanging or or uh, Will's collar is popped up, you there that's is all the audience second, is going to see. Yeah, you lose them. Yep. You lose them for the entire half hour, and all of the work, all of the hours of of dedication and and uh, hard work that you put in. They're gone. So you can sit here and talk about all of the film work that you do as a team. And, and I have no doubt that this team has worked hard on trying to fix a lot of things. But if you mess up those five yards that Don Shula calls his life, it ain't going to matter. It's simply not going to matter. So I, you know, I want to hear your story in a little bit. But I, I think we have to, to focus on a group that, that focuses on all the little details. And that's Vera Motors. That's our sponsor today. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation, and there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So one of the other things I noticed when I was out there is I always like to look for jerseys and just kind of see what are people wearing, who's the star of the team. And what I thought was really interesting when I went out, first of all, there, there were some people who were critical of the number of people who showed up. I think it was 40. I'm not going to be critical of people who don't show I, I was glad to be there. I wanted to see the team. There are people who go see them every day in Davie. This was an opportunity to see them at Hard Rock. It's a different setting. It's practice. <laughs> We're talking about practice. But uh, so I was looking at the jerseys, and would you believe the number one jersey I saw in my very unscientific, just looking around the stadium, observing, number one most frequent jersey I saw was, take a guess, what number? Was it 14? It was 14. Yeah. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Which, first of all, is kind of an interesting choice to me, right? If you're a big enough Dolphins fan to own a Jarvis Landry jersey, it's probably not the only piece of Dolphins that paraphernalia that you own, yeah. right? Yeah. You probably have a generic Dolphin shirt. You might have a Ryan Tannehill shirt. You might have a Cameron Wake. If you own a Jarvis Landry, it's kind of specific, right? You're probably a big Dolphin. You choose to wear the Jarvis Landry, who's been doing nothing but rip your team for months to and, the team scrimmage. That's and your a, fan base. That's a, that's <laughs> yeah. an in, that's an interesting choice. So I yeah. saw a lot of Jarvis Landry. I saw a lot of Marino, which I think you're going to see forever. At, at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, I saw a few Cam Wakes. I saw a smattering of Tannehills. I was surprised. Like, I figured Tannehill would be the guy in terms of jerseys. Again, very non-scientific. Um, I didn't see 
but again, only in my experience. I didn't see any 21s, which if, if you made me wear a Dolphins jersey right yes. now, I'd, I'd rock a 21. Frank Gore, University of Miami product, of course. Gables High, local legend. Um, but I, I just thought the Jarvis thing was so interesting because it's a, it's about star power, right? right. If, if you were to go out to you know the teams who, besides the teams we cover, I have a special interest in the New York Giants, you're going to see nothing but 13s and 10s, right? You're going to see Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning. You go out to Saints camps, you're going to see nines. You're going to see Breeze. It's very clear. You go to Patriots camp, you're seeing 12s and 87s, Brady and Gronk. Dolphins, there's a genuine lack of star power when a lot of the jerseys— I saw a lot of Sioux jerseys. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing Sioux, you're seeing Wake. So you lost the types of players who they're going to market. Now, in an ideal world, you'll start seeing Minkas, you'll start seeing Gasickis, you'll start, you know, you'll you'll start to build the types of guys who people are going to want to go out and represent and who are going to want to cheer for. But it was just very striking to me that I mean, you talk about enthusiasm for the team and enthusiasm for the season. You're going to be out there Thursday for the first preseason game live. Everyone should watch your live reports and. I just want you to keep an eye on that. Yeah. I, want, I want you to look around. Any Anyone listening who goes out to the game Thursday, look at the jerseys that you see around the stadium because I, I just found it very interesting. I, I think wearing a Jarvis Landry jersey is kind of a message. I don't really know what the message is, but it, it just jumped out to me. This is very unscientific. As I mentioned, this is my fifth year here, and uh, I've noticed the crowds at camp being smaller. And, and granted, it's really hot. But it's always really hot. Well, they they also have covering now. Yeah, added. yeah, and and so I, I again very unscientific, very anecdotal. Um, star power does not necessarily equal wins, and in the NFL, uh, wins are above all else. You could have a couple of stars on the team, and if you're not winning, then then nobody's going to come out to games. But I think it's the combination of the two, and um, this goes back, by the way, to my whole take on this past year's draft. I really like a lot of the guys that they got. I really like Minka Fitzpatrick. I think you needed a quarterback of that defense to go along with Rashad Jones. I really like Gasicki. I, I think, uh, you know me, I'm a college football sicko, and, and I watched him at Penn State and thought, man, that guy is Antonio Gates. Uh, I mean, he just he reminds me, he played volleyball, little basketball, Gates with a basketball background. The athleticism there, he's going to need to learn to block, but I don't care. In this NFL, you need to find those mismatches. With all of that said, what this team is lacking in talent is not something that you make up in one draft. So to me, you need to go the other direction and you need to start over. And and that's why I will never understand why they sat there and told us after night one of the draft that they talked to teams about potentially moving up to draft a quarterback and didn't follow through with it. And I know that this is a broken record for me going back to after the draft. But I think to your point, star power does not necessarily equal wins talent does uh attention to detail does and right now I don't feel that they have enough of those two things clearly from the penalties and and the lack of talent after getting rid of their most talented players to where you needed to go the opposite direction and not just try to patch holes here and there and and start this thing over and I think we're seeing more and more why that is and and the ultimate point here I think fans feel the same way if they go out there and they find a way to open this season on on a hot streak then things will change. I just have not seen things yet to make me think that's going to happen, and especially these little attention, uh, this attention to little details that is not there. 
these things that are lacking, it's just the same stuff we've talked about over and over. So you take the combination of lots of mistakes, not a lot of attention to detail, not a lot of star power, and a small crowd, and that's how you have a five-year-old girl questioning the (laughs) meaning of the universe in the back in the back of my car and asking me when I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, but I I just, you know, I wanted to go because you see camp on television and you see, you see clips and I, I listen to all the sound and I, I read everything that happens with the dolphins and I'm trying to sell myself on their plan. I'm trying to sell myself on the reason that I should be excited about watching this team in 2018 and so I figured going to the scrimmage would be an opportunity. Maybe Tannehill will just tear it up. And I'm like, whoa, look how good he looks. Ryan Tannehill looked like Ryan Tannehill. It's not an insult. It's not a particularly big compliment. He looked like Ryan Tannehill. Defensively, they didn't have Ndamukong Sue. Cam Wake is great. He's a little on the older side. But he's still, you know, Charles Harris was was tearing through that second string line, which is, which is you know, a positive. That, that, that was a first-round pick. But... It's just I'm tr- I'm looking for the spark of excitement. I'm looking for the spark of interesting, and I didn't walk away with it. Now, admittedly, and I think the players would tell you, and I think if Adam Gase was sitting right there, I think he'd say the same thing. It wasn't a good day for them. So I don't want to make any – it's never a good idea to make a sweeping generalization based on a practice, based on preseason, but I just left going – Man, that was very meh. Well, that was it, very blah. Yeah, that was very the last ten years. It, let's be very, very clear about this. I know we've already said it once, but I, we are not overreaction guys. No, right? no. Like, like this is this is not. This I was is, just trying. I was. I went in with a mindset of trying to be positive. It would it would be the equivalent of if I went down to Coral Gables and I went to a Canes practice and go, and we're basically it was like, all right, Mark Richt, who who's going to excite me this year? Who's who's going to be scoring the touchdowns? Who's going to be wearing the turnover chain? So I went there with the mentality of, all right, who on the Dolphins is going to be exciting? And I and I walked away with maybe Mike Kosicki and oh boy. Those were my those were my two thoughts. So I'm glad you brought up Kane's camp because this is where I'm going to go with this. So I, I think there is very little that you can truly take out of the first few days of a camp, be it college or NFL or whatever. It, NFL, we've only had a few days in pads. College, we've had none at this point. I think it's really interesting when when you hear these two coaches talk about their teams. And and Mark Richt said it over the weekend that he feels like. The Canes alums would be proud of how this team is attacking practice. And I, I remember going out to spring ball and, and hearing guys like Shaq Quarterman and, and especially the leaders, the, the elder statesmen on this team. I mean, I, I feel old. I'm talking about 20-year-olds as, as elder <laughs> statesmen. Um, but coming out after practice and saying, we weren't happy with last year. And I get it, you know, me being the college football guy that I am, uh, you know, I look at this as a Canes team that is on the rise, a team that um, has been down for a while, but you knew they had that something sitting there. But I mean, I look at this objectively and I I went to Virginia Tech. I grew up with a Virginia Tech, Miami, uh, Big East uh, rivalry, uh, who was going to win that conference. And I use rivalry, it's not a Florida State, Miami rivalry, but I think there is a nice little uh, rivalry of respect between the two. Um, but I, I, I remember looking at Miami and thinking they're going to be back and, and not, and not in a, all oh, we're back sort of way, but that it was going to take a little bit of time. But once you got the right, so I looked at 2017 as man, that was a step in the right direction. If I'm a hurricane, if I'm a hurricane fan, I feel really optimistic. 
these players did not feel that way. These these players felt like there were missed opportunities at the at the end of the year, and and I get it. Fan base feels that way because they're used to the Hurricanes winning championships and national championships, and anything less than that doesn't matter. But the difference between fans feeling that way and and players feeling that way, that's the difference between, all right, uh, we're going to have a repeat of smaller mistakes, and when the players feel that way too, they're going to go out there and they're going to play with this massive chip on their shoulder that got them where they were last year. I just feel so much differently about the Canes right now and the attitude that they're bringing into practice than I do about the Dolphins. And, And it's more based on the little stuff that you can tell early in camp. Dolphins go out there for a scrimmage, and they can't get plays off. The Hurricanes go out there, and you have their head coach, who has been brutally honest about his team. Uh, uh, Mark Rick does not hold back when he's talking about talking about Canes alums should be proud. And the standard that has been set by the Canes, and Rick knows that really well, that those guys should be proud. I'm just, I'm blown away by that. Yeah, that got me, that that got me really excited. I mean, (laughs) I, I, you know, we always admit our biases here uh, on the podcast. I, I love the University of Miami. I love their football program. I grew up around their football program. And when I heard Mark Rick say that on Sunday, I was like, yes, this is this is the direction that it needs to go. But it's funny because I also have those mixed feelings about last season. To start 10-0, and to beat FSU and Notre Dame was so good. That night against Notre Dame, the, just the, the whole buildup, college game day, primetime game, to just slap that team around you you personally uh angering the entire institution me, me, of notre dame me personally helping take down the fighting irish which is one of my great achievements we've told that story right uh, I reader, think we, readers digest readers digest i was it was before the game and i was watching the satellite come in and one of the notre dame coaches went to the middle of the field and said blankety blank blank the turnover chain we're gonna blankety blank blank and it was really good sound and I had to put it on television and some people weren't happy that I did but I had to it got back to the canes and so some people at a certain network were unhappy yes. and 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 uh it got back to the canes but more importantly it got back to Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame let this certain network right. know they were not so happy. Notre Dame wasn't happy the network wasn't happy we had a really good show, and Miami beat the snot out of Notre Dame. I'll take that as a moral victory. And, but, and by uh, the way, Malik Rogier was was telling us after the game right. that they saw this video because so, Will, seeing as Will the, right, tweeted it out. That so is anyway, correct. Uh, th- there's so, the story if so, you've heard it before. So the idea. So there were a lot of highs. Okay, a lot of highs. But then I remember how ex- how, how the mix of excitement and dread as the Pittsburgh game came because I'm like, oh boy, Thanksgiving week on a Friday. Pittsburgh on the road it just feels like they could oh don't blow this one just just don't don't let this one know and then they did of course and so that didn't go well and then the ACC hey they finally won the coastal ACC championship game and then it's men against boys it was it was just and and then the bowl game same deal men against boys so as excited as I am number one you beat Florida State that hadn't happened (laughs) To get personal again, I met my wife in 2010. She went to Florida State, and my, the last time Miami beat them was 2009, which was before I met my wife. So she had eight years of bragging rights before <laughs> Miami finally got the victory. So they beat Florida State. They beat Notre Dame, and they're they're ranked nationally, 
and the turnover chain is the national story. Those are huge, huge accomplishments. That's on the field. Then you combine that with off the field, the fact that they're finally getting their indoor practice facility. That's that's becoming a reality, which I think is so important to them. Which, you know, today when I was listening to Mark Rick, I'm sorry, today being Sunday, when I was listening to Mark Rick talk about how the alums would be proud, part of me was thinking, hmm, I wonder if they're trying to get over the goal line for that uh, practice facility of theirs by invoking how proud the alums would be. But uh, it, it was such a good year in so many ways, but super unsatisfying. The best analogy I can draw with it is, Clay, you and I like the Yankees. It was like last year's Yankees. Last year's Yankees were one win from the World Series. They had a great year. It was super fun, but it wasn't good enough. So even though you're like, wow, the future's super bright, you're like, that's not up to the standard. So, and for the so- University of Miami, same deal. Getting getting to the Coastal, winning the Coastal is great. Got to win the ACC championship game. Got to win a bowl game. You have one of the the BCS, or the BCS, the, the, the semifinal this year is at Hard Rock. Kane said you'd be playing in that. That's the standard. Is it fair? No. But that's how you that's how you become a great program. You set unfair, unreasonable expectations. That to me is exciting. What I saw on Saturday at Hard Rock, the scrimmage for the Dolphins, looking for anything to be fired. And I'm telling you, I I went in with a come on, sell me on your team this right. year. And I left like womp womp. And and the Canes, I watched five minutes of, of scrimmage video or a practice video today, just cutting some video and list and I'm all I'm ready to run through a wall. Yeah. So it's I'm with you. It's it's a different feel. But also look at what they're building off of. Okay, the Dolphins are building off of the Jay Cutler experiment. Part duh. Okay, a, a wasted season, a lost season, a step back from a playoff season, and the Canes are building off of maybe their most exciting season in how many years? I mean, uh, I, I mean, uh, I would say going all the way back to their last national championship, yeah, don't you? Yeah, think? I I I, th- I think it's it's pretty much. I mean, it the, it wasn't a national championship level performance because they didn't get to the national championship but the excitement the turnover chain everything that they brought the way they played i mean that the the amount of talent that was everywhere the recruiting the whole thing was amazing until it wasn't by the way to take your analogy one step further and show you how bitter i am about the way this season is going how do you think canes fans would have reacted had um fired mark richt and hired kirk herbstreet in the offseason <laughs> <laughs> so that that is that's your Aaron Boone, uh, Joe Girardi, Aaron Boone, Joe Girardi. I'm I, bitter, man. I, I, I'm bitter. I, I, I listen. I th- I think that's. I think we can do a whole other therapy pod on the Yankees. <laughs> I only I only invoke them because the analogies there of a, 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 a franchise or a team or an organization that had great success that had very good success and wasn't satisfied. And I think that's where the University of Miami begins. I'm also excited, by the way, I think the scheduling gods did the Canes a big favor. I think a big favor by how they're starting this season. I think the fact that they have a big-time game, a Sunday night game, September 2nd, Dallas, Texas, that gigantic Jerry World against LSU and SEC program, the fact that they have that spotlight and that opportunity – Right here on Local Ten with a pregame show and everything. The <laughs> fact that the, the fact that the Canes start that big, they need that because mm-hmm. because if if they could go out there and do their thing and if they could put it to LSU, man, that's how you start a season. And we can talk about that for the next month. And I'm I gonna be. I am. I'm gonna. Be, I'm drooling. LSU, I'm so excited. LSU still has no quarterback. So well, that's so a problem. That feels uh, important. Bottom line here as we wrap this thing up. You and I and and Will, uh, I, I think we kind of pride ourselves on not being hot takey 
not not throwing things well, out. Well, you there guys and making, do. I tend you, to throw. I, I, fair enough. For fair me, enough. it really it really depends on how. If if I think if I think that either a show or a podcast, if I think something's gone flat, or even a text thread, if I think if I think if <laughs> I think it's run dry a little bit, then I will throw out something preposterous that I may or may not believe in, just to sort of juice things back up again. That's that's. A philosophical I, I like to throw dynamite in and just and even if it explodes on me then boom okay well that was interesting yeah well so. but in fairness you you usually believe the stuff you say though at least to a certain extent. or so i'd have you believe i think i just learned something about you so yeah. right ra- no, I, I, I will throw I, so it's not hot take it's more it's more it's more is that a hot take or is that a freezing take like it's yeah, somewhere yeah, but it's yeah. it's it, you don't know like you're gonna have water like there's two buckets one that's boiling hot and one that's freezing cold and i'm gonna dump one of them on you and i don't know what it is and you know so you had a point i'm gonna wrap this up so we're not gonna be hot takey about this thing i think it's silly to try to extrapolate things that you've seen in in practices in a very antiseptic environment to try to think that that's going to mean something uh, not just in in the regular season but even in preseason games. We could be talking about something completely different after the first preseason game on Thursday night. I do go back to something that you always say uh, that was a saying of Jim Mandich, that sometimes football is about the things that you should not do. 100%. And when it comes to the Dolphins, they're showing the same sorts of problems with the things that you should not do that they did last year that crushed them. And at times in 2016. And And you're the second most penalized team in the NFL in 2017. You talked all year about how you needed to fix it. You've already implemented things that you think are going to fix it in the offseason and in training camp, and it's not working. And until I see a team that is able to do the things that you shall not do, I am not going to buy into this team being any better than what we've seen. Yeah, Mandich used to always say that. He used to say, Dookie, football is about the things you must do and the things you must not do. And... Shula, I mean, when you talk about Don Shula, that is what defined the Miami Dolphins during the Shula era and during the times when the Dolphins were successful. When we've gotten to the point now where when your parents or grandparents told you about what the Dolphins were like, they didn't make mistakes. They played smarter than their opposition, always. They had talent, but they were defined by their intelligence. And I'm not saying that this team isn't going to be intelligent, but I'm going to say that I did not see them play intelligently. And this is not a team where they have game breakers all around yep. where they can just sort of You can't make up for first they're, and fifteen. They're not they're not the Golden State Warriors who can who can sleepwalk for two and a half quarters, decide to play for five minutes, and then go back to sleep because they just went on a thirty to two run. This is not a team that's gonna win that way. This is a team that has to be disciplined, that has to be smart, that has to play together. And, you know, through the first couple weeks what I've seen, I have not yet seen them excel in that category. Doesn't mean it can't happen. Doesn't mean the light won't go on when the lights go on on Thursday night. But Saturday was brutal. Let me tell you what you must do. You must hit up Vera Motors. Because when you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation. And there is no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. It's Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service it is. Vera, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. 
So, as we wrap this thing up, we've spent the entire podcast talking about how deflating and disappointing the Dolphins were. So, by the time we do this again next week, they will have beaten the Bucks by 50 points. Oh, yeah. Ta- and, and, Tannehill, and Tannehill would have, will have thrown for, like, three touchdowns in two, uh, in two possessions, which is impossible to do. And, uh, yeah, everyone will, everyone will look great. And we will look foolish, and the Canes somehow will mess up their practice. Thanks for hanging with us on the Miami Sports Podcast. Will Manso, enjoy your Alaskan cruise. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll talk to you again next week.